Um, but a couple of the driving scriptures that we wanted to make sure we touch on and that kind of came to mind for me going into this discussion is from Proverbs 25, better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds from a friend. I think in so many ways, discipling can be a lot of things to different people, but ultimately I find the culmination of it really coming in Hebrews 10. And let us consider how to spur one another on to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. And I think just motivating each other towards love and good works, towards um, just all the great things that God has in store and that God is planning for us and that God has called us to do. But I'm simply going to be a moderator. Those are my thoughts opening this discussion. But what I'd like to do is for our panelists, um, we'll start with the first question. And as you answer it, just give us a little bit of a quick introduction on who you are um, and kind of your background here in InTown. So our first discussion question for our panelists, what is discipling? How would you define accountability? Is there a difference between the two? Whichever order, this is for all the panelists. So whatever order you would like to go in. Okay, I can, I can start. Um, hey everyone, my name is Sam Karanja. I have been in, in town for about two, no, three years now, actually this past June. Um, I live in the Vinings area and um, became a disciple five years ago through the campus ministry, transitioned through uh, in town is my first like singles uh, ministry. And uh, for me, uh, <clears throat> I can see discipling and accountability being kind of two sides of the same coin. Um, we were joking earlier, <laughs> Isaac, that accountability is like getting, being accountable of getting advice, but not truly following it, which is completely like the opposite of what accountability means. Uh, and discipling being this kind of like asking for help and not really following what you're getting or not, not really just like, keeping uh, in touch with uh, the, the heart behind it. And so for me, it really takes a lot of humility to approach both, both, uh, both terms. Uh, no for, for discipling for me looks like reaching out to somebody um, that I admire, respect to um, guide me and share what they've gone through in life, but also give me a biblical perspective of why they develop certain convictions uh, and, and um, expose certain blind spots that I have, which I wouldn't be able to see um, regardless. So I kind of see it that way. Accountability, I kind of see that more where um, not only am I reaching out to somebody to hold me accountable for, for something, but I'm also taking a proactive approach whenever I do feel like a boundary is being crossed um, myself, uh, for myself to initiate a discussion around that um, and just be in the light uh, around it. So yeah. Yeah, so our other panelists, again, restating the question, what is discipling? How would you define accountability? Is there a difference? I can go. I'm Nikki. Um, I've been a disciple about 21 years now. 21 years young, guys. Um, <laughs> but I, I got baptized in the teen ministry and um, grown up in the church. And I have been a part of In Town since it was a baby house church. Um, so I feel like it's like seven years now, something like that. Um, I can't even remember how long it's been. <laughs> I have no concept of time anymore. Thank you, 2020. Um, but I don't remember what else I was supposed to say about myself, but I'm Nikki. So there you go. Um, and yeah, discipling, 
when I think about discipling, I think about the word, like the root of like discipline, right? It's like corrective. It's formative. Like when I think about how much I like have to discipline my niece, sometimes I'm like, get it together, woman, like child, whatever she is, but she's crazy. And just like, when I thought about that, it was like, you know, the concept of correcting a child. It's not because I'm like forcing her to go another way, but it's because I like know what's either going to help her develop better character or what's going to help her to not get hurt the next time. And, um, and so when I think about discipling, it's like the act of that, right? Like, it's like the awareness of the grace you've been given and being able to see scriptures, like, um, the greatest commandment, like love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love others. Like that is my like greatest discipline that I need to follow. Right. Like, cause that's the greatest command that's been given to me. And so you kind of show your, um, you uh, abide by it out of like faithfulness and loyalty, because that's what God is giving to you by abiding in that. Um, accountability. I think about it as the one another piece to it. Um, it's an, I always think of God's discipline as an act of love in the same way with my niece. When I like do things with her, it's an act of love. Like I don't want her to get hurt. I don't want her to um, say, say things that she shouldn't be saying or whatever. Um, and so I see it as the accountability to like one another and holding up um, our responsibility to the gospel um, and holding up God's truth. Um, the, us being able to understand that mutual need for grace and mercy and being able to encourage, confess things with one another and hold each other to the idea of holding God first and, and, and helping seek him together. Um, yeah, that's my answer. Oh, I guess I can go next. Hey guys, my name is Isaac Dennis. I am, well, I've been a disciple now, well, November 22nd of this year will be five years for me. Um, originally came out, coming out of campus, spending a lot of time in campus, but when you're challenged and stuff like that, going to Auburn for a little bit, being a campus intern, then deciding I wanted to stay down in Auburn, Alabama to help the church out down there, find a job, and been, and then down there being asked to kind of lead a singles ministry and then, of course, coming back here now to in-town, um, just kind of having a chance to kind of, I guess, in some sense, get thrown into, like, this new idea of, like, adult, adult life, in a sense. Um, but, yeah, I think for me, discipling is just, like, this idea of, like, for me, at least, it's, like, living life with someone else. You know, whether that be spiritual life or even just your personal life, just being able to talk about those things and be able to just kind of just, you know, live life together. Um, and then, of course, accountability is just seeking out advice or as Sam we took earlier seeking out or giving an account of getting the advice but you know just just trying to just really just when you see a problem or you see an issue even with, with yourself just really being humble like Sam was saying earlier to really seek that advice out and then once you get it like actually I guess digesting it kind of sit on it and then mm -hmm. trying to use that advice for later on um, again it's just the whole idea of having a humble heart um, for me honestly the biggest difference is like the way you communicate discipling is kind of like hey this there's, there's a sense of like, like I understand this person's growing. Like I'm just here to kind of like just be there for them. And it kind of feels like it's a little more, a little more stern. Like, hey, like I'm seeing this. Like we need to actually talk about this. We need to handle this as soon as possible. So yeah, that's kind of my viewpoint on on the, on the question at hand. Hey guys, I'm Maggie. <laughs> um, I have been a disciple for about five years now, and um. Yeah, I also am a part of in-town, moved to Atlanta um, a little over a year ago from Columbia, South Carolina, and 
it's definitely, it's been a journey, but I feel like God, you know, like has literally guided the way so much. It's been so cool. Um, yeah, I, I think with like discipling, I love what everyone said about, about discipling. And I think just kind of more so adding to that, um, a little bit, just really it's, I feel like it's the act of helping someone be like Jesus. Um, And so I love like what Isaac said about, or what Nikki said about, you know, whether that's like getting advice in different ways or, you know, Isaac mentioned like simply spending time with someone. Um, I love how Jesus just kind of comes up in conversation when we're around each other. And so I think it's like a natural thing for us to do. And Jesus definitely spent, you know, he didn't always, you know, say to his disciples, you need to fix this and this and this, but he simply spent time with them. And so I think that's a huge part of it is being involved in each other's lives. Um, and with accountability, I mean, yeah, I think with that, it's more so like the idea of like liability, you know, like helping someone be liable for their actions. You know, if they said that they wanted to, um, to quit doing something like, and they had, you know, maybe set up boundaries for themselves, like simply checking in and asking them like, how's that going? You know, Um, But I think there is a difference between that and like, you know, babying them in a sense, Um, because at the same time, you know, we carry each other's burdens, but at the same time, we also are supposed to carry our own. So it's kind of what I think of with accountability as well. Yep, I am unmuted. Um, So I know, especially with Proverbs 27, is I've heard a lot of sermons where people used friends from a wounds from a friend can be trusted as a way to hurt people's feelings. Um, and so I know for me personally, whenever somebody starts talking discipling and accountability, I tend to kind of bristle a little bit. Um, but by the same token, I have some really awesome friendships and discipling and accountability has been very much a boon and has been a great asset in my life. So as we're kind of going into a discussion about discipling and accountability, um, as panelists, do you guys come into this discussion with feelings, preconceptions um, about discipling and accountability? If so, why? Um, I think for myself, I don't necessarily have a problem with either word, honestly. I think just growing up in the environment, I grew up in mainly in sports, just kind of always having someone challenge me has always been something I'm used to. Um, and I guess I try to relate um, this might be a little weird, but discipling to like almost like having like a position coach in football. Like I was office lineman all through my life, through college and stuff like that. And the position coach is there to kind of guide me through the steps I need to take to get to be a better office lineman, right? And of course, that sometimes that might mean him actually taking time to study film with me or like actually building a practice field or even seeing me in the hallway and just making sure I'm doing what I need to do in the classroom and stuff like that, right? And then accountability comes in, we're in a game situation or, or we're actually practicing plays and not only the coaches, but then the, my teammates beside me are also holding me accountable as well. And I think the same way for us, we can have someone who's discipling us in a sense, like who's like watching us, but it really could be anybody. It can be um, one of your best friends, it could be a, a church leader. It could be someone who's just there with you living life or help or reach or try to go for the same or reaching for the same goals you're going for. And then accountability comes in when you have someone who's going after those same goals calling you out when they see something that, hey, like I noticed this, like, you know, like we need to see what we can do to help out. Like kind of what Maggie's saying, like you have someone there who's going to notice, the, like let's say if there's boundaries, they know you have boundaries set up, 
but then how do you, when you do find yourself messing with those boundaries or anything like that, are you seeking out help with that boundary? Or even like for your, or someone who's actually supposed to hold someone accountable, or are you asking that person the questions like, hey, I, how's this going? Like anything I can help you with or just different things like that. So I guess answer the question, I have no feelings really towards or words, yeah. I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm super triggered. <laughs> um, I feel like I've not just in the church, but just, I think the ways that like life has happened to me, like having somebody like hold me to something versus something I'm deciding to do for myself. Um, I can get, re I'm really rebellious in my nature. Um, but I think for me, I had to reframe my, my perspective on it a long time ago in campus because a lot, if you really want to ask me about it, we can talk about it another time, but um, it was a hot mess and I had to decide, am I going to be a Christian or not in this hot mess of a ministry that I couldn't get their act together. And um, I remember I had to take, I had to just take out the legalistic lens that I had on a lot of that. And I had to say, okay, like, I've grown up with this idea of discipling accountability and it's been really based in shame. Like, don't do that. You know, like very finger pointing kind of viewpoints. And while I wasn't necessarily a bad kid in college, I was kind of a bad kid. <laughs> I made not so great choices at certain times. And I think I definitely like had to reframe and say, okay, do I want to live like a Christian or not? Because, um, and, and I had to see it in the idea of like grace and truth. And there was a, there's a scripture in John one that reminds me just of like who Jesus is right at the core of it all. It's in John 1 14. It says the Lord became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. And so I had to remember like, you know, the word is flesh and, and I'm being judged by the word, like, my judgment is based in grace and truth and the people that made me feel shame for a lot of those things. A really interesting study to do on that. I could probably explain it to you if you want to talk about it, but um, the, it's really just interesting to think about, okay, God didn't mean for me to just feel shame for falling into sin or struggling with different things, but he, he's, he's, I'm the woman at the well. He's sitting with me. He's asking me questions. He's trying to figure me out and helping lead me to that truth through gentle understanding. He's not trying to shame me about it. So I think I just, out of survival to keep my faith pure, I had to reframe it, but oh yeah, I'm still super triggered <laughs> by those kind of words and the types of things that people do in the culture of the church, because um, yeah, I think the culture of the church can, can really create a lot of shame around that if we're not careful. Leads to hiding and then, um, I kind of see the grace and truth. It really gives you freedom to feel like I can change and I have space to change and people are giving me space to do that. Yeah, I came from a, a culture where we never even, I was not even exposed to discipling. I didn't even know what that word was till I um, started studying the Bible. And for me, growing up thinking that you're born again, you know, you don't really need anyone else to hold your hand. You're just kind of living life and you're just taking it, you know, by, by, the, by, I don't know, you're just like doing it by yourself. Um, and I think when I figured out that um, I had become this selfish, arrogant, prideful guy, it was really hard to break those walls. And I think scriptures like um, James 1 um, really helped. And at the time, I never even read past the, the letters. I only like stopped in maybe like Acts 1. And so reading 
uh, scriptures that talk about being being slow to speak, quick to listen. Um, don't only listen to the word, but put it into practice. Uh, really just tore me apart or like carry each other's burdens. Why would I want to carry somebody else's burden, you know? And I don't know, stuff like that would just like, would shock me completely. And to see how we're supposed to have this very uh, gentle, humble, uh, almost inquisitive uh, love for another person to, to have enough interest to want to take care of them or even take care of their eternity and, and help them in, a, in that way um, really just uh, shook me. And, and for me now, it's hard because I think sometimes I can, I, can be, I can be very afraid of like conflict or like just like being, being comfort, confrontational with somebody. Um, and so can tend to avoid that. So I found it though, that, that those scriptures about being able to ask somebody a question and being, being slow to speak to it uh, really help. And also having the mindset of caring enough to carry the other person's burden with me. Um, and in that way, we fulfill the, the, the law of Christ uh, has done a profound um, shift in my mind, mindset of understanding what that is. Agreed. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you know, I also didn't really grow up going to church or anything. And so the idea of discipling and like someone holding me accountable to actually like living out like the word of God was not something I was used to. And I think I definitely like pride has always been something I think I've struggled with. And so, um, you know, having someone tell you when you're doing wrong was like oh my gosh like really like me you know or just it made me feel bad or like Nikki you know mentioned like even my mind could have shame you know um just feeling very shameful um and that's not what God wants from us like he doesn't want us to feel shameful um but it's like I think I could always kind of associate again discipling with that and then I think over time like reading more about like I think realizing like where my heart was behind it, you know, like, I think it can be easy to have that legalistic mindset of, you know, you got to do this, this, and this, and if you're not doing it, then you're wrong, or, you know, you're messed up, you're lost, or something like that, but, you know, I think having the mindset of, okay, why am I doing these things, uh, why is discipling important, and, um, there's, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes 4, and it talks about, you know, if someone, if someone falls, the other person can help them up. Um, but what a shame for the person who falls and, you know, is lost. And I was just like, oh, snap. Like, <laughs> um, I, I think it's kind of crazy because we're made to be people of, you know, relationship. And so um, it's so important to be able to have that kind of mindset. So my advice is just to, that was helpful for me, was to call it what you will, you know, if it's a hangout time, if that makes you feel like a little bit more at ease with that, or, you know, advice time or whatever it is that you want to call it. Um, but I think understanding why it's important is really beneficial. Maggie, I think that's a great segue kind of into our next question. And this is both for Sam and Maggie. I'd like to get both of your inputs on this. Um, so Maggie, you had mentioned hangout times or accountability times. In y'all's lives, what has accountability or discipling looked like? Has it been structured relationships and you had a discipling partner or has it come up more organically and what kind of activities or times were associated with discipling? Sam, do you want to go first? Yeah, I can. Mine, y'all, my discipling life has taken a lot of forms. I've 
been discipled by brothers, been discipled by sisters, been called out by younger younger Christians. Uh, and I think, you know, it reminds me of like Ephesians 4, where we're, we're instructed to speak the truth in love, so that will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And so we all have kind of like this responsibility to do that. And so I remember that instant when the sister uh, kind of admonished me was when like we, we had gone to, uh, I think we had gone to Midtown, we were having ice cream and I had given everybody rights and I, it was getting late and I wanted to leave and I was becoming impatient. And so the sister like graciously took me to the side and um, really just called out my pride and, and, and my impatience. Um, and she was gentle about it because what I didn't notice is that they were sharing their faith with the ice cream guy. Um, and they kind of pointed that out. And from then on, I mean, that really helped me become more considerate of my surroundings. Um, and I, I think for me, it's also been, you know, waking up really early with brothers, going to the river, praying together, or uh, now in COVID, we, we, you know, get together Tuesday mornings before work and, and we get to share our lives and we get to share our frustrations and, um, or even me going to uh, a married brother, uh, getting advice about my dating relationship um, and being humble to, to, the, to the fact that there are other people who've gone through what I've gone, what, I, what I'm going through right now to ask for help. Um, but yeah, it, it's taken many forms um, in my life and those are just a couple, couple ways. Um. Yeah, for me, I I feel like it's cool because really I think that anyone can help you be more like Jesus, right? The idea of discipling, like it can come up in any kind of conversation um, when you're with someone. Um, but I think what was helpful for me was is consistency. Um, consistency is very helpful for me. I need people to, um, you know, ask me questions and kind of draw things out of me because I'm working on it, but I'm not a super like self-aware person. And so um, I think that's one of the biggest things is knowing like knowing more about yourself and knowing what it is that you need and what it is that you want. Um, and I think simply by like hanging out with people like, and you kind of get to see like people's different, maybe, you know, um, teaching styles or, you know, maybe their personalities or something. And it's okay if you guys don't mesh, um, cause not everyone does and that is okay. Um, but I think finding those people that kind of like how Jesus had his, you know, his three that he was super close to, and then he had his 12 and then, you know, so I think finding those four people that, you know, you might get that consistent time with and then having maybe a broader group that, you know, you obviously can still get, you know, discipling from, but also realizing that it's like, um, again, like a two-way street. And for me, it's helpful, again, spending time with that person as well and just seeing their lives and being a part of their lives. So. That's awesome. And similarly related, Isaac, question for you. Um, in your life, has discipling taken the form of just it evolved out of existing relationships or has it been something you've had to go and find new relationships with the specific intent of getting discipling and getting kind of mentorship? Yeah, no, um, I think for me, it's been a mixture of both. I particularly think about back in campus when I first got baptized, usually most discipling relationships are usually with the person or at least someone who has had some type of influence in your studies, you know, and then probably from there, within like that semester or so, you'll probably go to someone else who's you built a great relationship with. And then 
you know, it just keeps going on like that. So usually for most of us, probably coming from campus, most of our disciple relationships is with someone we kind of already knew, right? It was someone that we were already close to. They know our struggles already, know things that we already, you know, we have challenges with. And it seemed a little easier. I think the biggest challenge for me was when I start really going to like singles events and of course bleeding singles and stuff like that. It's like really trying to find that person I can go to to get that discipling relationship from. And like, I guess the biggest difference is like with, with campus, it's pretty much guaranteed you will have that one person you go to, whereas in town or singles in general, like I feel like, or for me, it's like you really have to seek that stuff out. Like kind of what Maggie was saying, you could have that core group of people. I know at one point it was like, I was meeting with like Sam or another brand named Jared, and that was my group. And then it got to a point where, okay, I'm starting to transition to this new phase of life. I'm trying to get a career or whatever the case may be. And I have to reach out to someone who's probably already experienced that or, you know, or who's a little, or who's a little more mature in those, in those certain areas and go to them and say, hey, would you mind helping me? Or would you mind being like a cycling partner for me or holding me accountable for X, Y, and Z? So I think it's been a mixture of just both. <clears throat> and of course, like Amaka was saying, like just knowing what you need and what you're looking for is kind of really important. Because, I mean, I would hate to be like, meet, get with someone and I have no idea why I'm there, or like what I'm trying to get out of that person in a sense, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, it makes total sense. And how different was it kind of getting discipling in, in town or even as a young professional, somebody's in the workplace versus when you were a student and when you were in campus? How has kind of the context of those two life stages really influenced the discipling? Yeah, no, I think the biggest difference is obviously I feel like with campus it's so much easier to get with that discipling partner. So it's like you have set times, you had this and that, where it's like you're on campus. Hey, I'm pulling this brother. Hey, man, we get some time to talk real quick. Whereas in town or singles ministry, it's, it's a little more challenging because everyone has different schedules. Everyone has different stuff going on. And I think even with, within those conversations, it, it could be a little bit different with singles because, again, like, for me, at least, singles was a time for me to really grow in my personal self and obviously my spiritual self, obviously. But I think for me, just getting with certain brothers and like, hey, like, bro, like, what can I grow in? And like, you know, or like, hey, like, I'm going through this moment. What can I do to, you know, get better at X, Y, and Z? And with campus, not saying you don't do the same thing, but I think it's a little more easier for conversations to be like centered on one specific topic, normally a spiritual aspect because you're a young Christian. You're just trying to figure out living life like a Christian most of us probably at times just got baptized or you know whatever so it's it's a little bit more of a different conversation with within both contexts hit the wrong button almost left the meeting that would have been fun <laughs> um I think something that keeps coming up is just the importance of relationships and kind of this interconnected nature of discipling um and Maggie I think the few times we've hung out and the few times I've spent with you, so an impression I get of just who you are is you are a very relationship-oriented person. So I wanted to get your input on what does discipling look like among kind of that close group of friends, maybe roommates or people that you have kind of been close to? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um I mean, I think it's really cool because I feel like when I think of friendships, I feel like that's a wide variety. So like my roommates know um, a lot about me, um, but I also have, you know, friendships outside of my roommates. Love you guys. Um, but, you know, I think with with them, <laughs> I think I deserve them. Um, 
with them, I feel like, or I'm sorry, with other friendships and stuff, I feel like it's really cool. Um, even just being able to hang out with someone, maybe, you know, I've met for the first time and, you know, it just be really like rejuvenating time. And again, it kind of goes back to that idea of like, there's a scripture in um, Colossians 3 that says, um, you know, it talks about Jesus and says like, you know, Christ who is your life. Um, and so just that, even that idea to me, you know, of, okay, like if Jesus is my life, like he's going to come up in all situations, no matter who I meet, whether they're a disciple or maybe they're not a disciple or, you know, maybe I'm close to them, maybe I'm not close to them. Um, he's going to come up in some way. And so I feel like that's really cool. Like having that, that space where, you know, we can talk about Jesus and like, again, we can help each other be more like Jesus. Um, and then I think just in general, like being able to do it out of love, um, like there's a, again, another scripture in second Corinthians and, um, second Corinthians two, when Paul talks about like, you know, and he's like, you know, in first Corinthians, he's like, you know, wrote this crazy book of, you know, just like, you guys got to get your act together. Um, right. Holding them accountable to God's word. And he told them, um, he's like, you know, I know that what I wrote to you caused you great anguish. He's like, but I did it out of the love that I have for you. And so I think even again, that kind of mindset of bringing that into, again, any kind of friendship that I have with someone. Um, I loved it because I, I recently hung out with um, a girl named Seba that you guys probably know. And um, we've only hung out a few times, but the, just the first time that we hung out, it was really cool because that whole conversation was very like Christ-centered and, you know, we'd share scriptures with one another and just like the, we felt safe to be able to share our lives with one another. And I think that's what it looks like in a friendship is there has to be vulnerability. Um, and yeah, and Jesus is going to enter that like relationship either way. So. Awesome. Continue on the thread of kind of what discipling looks like in specific contexts. Nikki, I got a question for you, um, primarily because I've been on the receiving end of it. But as someone that leads a lot of family groups that does so much with the worship ministry, there's been times where I've come to you for advice on, hey, there's this situation going on. How do I handle it? And I, we've, you and I have had conversations on how do we address this in um, various ministry contexts. So I wanted to get your feedback um, what does discipling look like between men and women? I know that can be kind of something some people, oh, well, do I just go talk to the guy's roommate and have him talk to him? Do I go to this sister directly if I'm a guy? Can you give us some, just your thoughts on that? What does that look like? What's your experience been in that avenue? For sure. Um, I'm a very direct person, so I will typically just address someone point blank, but I think when it comes to like discipling, like getting help, um, even just talking through things, working through something together, like James, we've even had that kind of situation where it was like, oh, that was a tip. Okay. What was that? And then like, we went and got coffee, talked it out. And like, I'm a better leader because of that conversation. I, I lead the worship ministry better from having that conversation. Right. Like, and so I think there's just always opportunities. Like, I think just don't hide from the conflict, but like, head into it and like, see what God's trying to teach you through it. Right. Um, when I think about actually like guys in my life that have been helpful, I think about the married brothers, Jeff Childs and John Mark, and now Jacob's married. So I guess I can, I can stick him in that bucket too. 
Um, but these guys that have, you know, they gave me a platform in a, in a culture that can be very like men here, women here. Um, they gave me a black platform to kind of work things out with them and really encouraged my voice. Like John Mark in particular, I remember when we were building in town, I would like kind of sidebar with him in meetings. We'd just like be buddy, buddy the whole time. And, um, he would basically like say, you should say that, like what you're feeling, you should say that. Cause like, and I think it just really taught me that like, we're partners in this and it's not like one is over the other. And there's a lot around gender roles in the church that I think we're just starting to tap into, but women prophesied in the Bible and they, there's a lot of things that like, we just don't acknowledge because of the way our society has seen men and women in, in different roles. And so I think we really miss an opportunity to learn from one another. And so married men learning with Jonathan, like Jonathan is more soft-spoken than me. And so I've had to learn in leading a family group with him that I have to listen. And like literally in family group meetings, he taught me like, I have to wait for at least like two or three people to answer before I answer. So that it's been a, it's a constant thing, but it like, it's taught me so much about like listening before I speak. Um, just so that it gives other people a platform because I do lead in a lot of ways. And sometimes without even realizing it, what I say, people just take it. I'm like, it was just a thought. We don't have to do that. Um, so I think it's just taught me a lot about like how powerful my voice can be too. And that I need to work in partnership with men to learn from them, but also how much they need men need women because we just have different perspectives and God meant for us to be partners in this. And so, um, that's why family groups are, have a men and women like partnership. And, um, I mean, I've just continually, even with the worship team, like leading the worship team, like it's evolved. I mean, I led it by myself for like the first three or four years. I don't know. It was crazy. It was like popcorn people up on stage with me. Um, but then like once like Mike Polk and Mo and Joelle really started stepping up, it was, it's, we literally lead it together. Like, I don't think people realize that we all lead it, but like we each play a very specific role in how we manage and, and, and make sure that th those things are done well, but we do it together in, in partnership for sure. So I think that there's just a lot that we can learn from one another. And I think it just takes creating spaces for us to hear each other and, um, and to learn from one another. Oh, those are awesome thoughts and kind of wrapping this section up and but very much dovetailing into Nikki's comments. Um, Sam and Maggie, can you guys give us a kind of a quick rundown on not only what does discipling look like between the both of you in a dating relationship, but then also rather than it being kind of one-on-one -on -one relationships and I'm getting discipling from this person, what does discipling look like for the two of you to then go get discipling for the both of you? Does that make sense? Sam, you want to go first? Sure, I can go first. So uh, so for us, it's been, I don't know, I feel like the first year was uh, of our dating relationship was a, was very, it was non-combative. Like we didn't have any conflicts, right? It was just very having fun, enjoying it. Um, and, you know, not having to worry about like, you know, bringing up stuff that we might have noticed. But then the second year, looked totally different and a lot of things came up and uh we yeah i think i, I like maggie maggie's approach maggie's approach was you know we we both definitely wanted somebody in our lives and so we had to really get open about who we wanted in our lives and so we wanted somebody who was older um that had you know left uh in terms of the kids that left and we wanted somebody who had um was younger and and had you know married and had maybe one kid 
And then we went to somebody who, had, who was just young married, haven't had you know no experience raising kids and see and and, and see how their marriage were going, and um, to give us advice um, on how they dealt with conflict, uh, especially because we we both were not you know we're not um, involved in that in the first year of our dating relationship. So it took it took a lot of planning, a lot of uh, nights where we had to sacrifice our evenings and our plans for that evening to um, go to a, a couple's house, have dinner, um, got open about my, my, my pride, my arrogance, or, or even just a conflict of miscommunication. I um, remember like Maggie wanted me to plan a date when I was playing another date for her. And I was like very frustrated, but I didn't want to tell her that I, I was playing something for her because I just want to keep it a secret. And so it's like all these, all these emotions. Uh, and then Maggie was like, you should, just have, you, should, you should just have said that. And then everything would have been okay. You know, so it's a lot of just being humble and being open about a situation being receptive to the other person, what the other person is saying. Um, and I know it's been fun too. Like we've, we've had times where we've gone to the, to, to the river with another couple and we just, you know, being able to talk about how we're doing and uh, the steps that we're taking to um, share with each other. We've gotten uh, uh, encouraged to share what we see in each other uh, every so often um, and share the qualities that uh, we admire in each other as well. And so, it's evolved to, to where now we, we were able to deal with conflict in the moment, we're able to share our thoughts and we're able to deal with that, with that in a godly way. Yay. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I, I, yeah, I mean, exactly. I think what Sam shared, you know, just getting with a bunch of different people and, um, and I think it's been really cool. It's like finding those people who can be consistent with us and be present in our lives. Um, and really, we got lucky because one of our um, one of the couples that we get with consistently, they're both the guy disciples Sam and the girl disciples me. And so, you know, it's perfect because then they disciple us as a couple as well. Um, so they kind of know, you know, both sides of everything. So I feel like that's just it's been really helpful um, and really like there are so many like resources to be able to get discipling. Like if, you know, um, if, you, you know, if you are dating and stuff, there's, you know, married couples, there's a dating like devotional group or dating, uh, dating like D group. Um, and yes, I mean, there's like a bunch of different, you know, resources that people have a lot of wisdom. And even if you're going through stuff, um, it's crazy to think because in the moment you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm, you know, me and Sam are the only ones that are going through this. But really, the more you talk to people, it's like, oh, like this is actually a common thing. Um, or a lot of people have experienced this in their relationship or have had this kind of disagreement or whatever, like, and it's okay. Um, and so, yeah, so I feel like it's been really cool to get, you know, different advice from people. And um, I think to, you know, not just getting, not just going to those people when you need to get advice, but I think simply like you really learn a lot when you just spend time with them and just being able to see like a couple's like dynamic and stuff like that is really, really helpful. Um, cause I'm very much of a visual learner. So, um, I would definitely suggest that is not just spending time with them when you need something, but just simply sharing your lives with them and let them share their lives with you. So, Oh, that's awesome. So kind of shifting gears out of 
what does discipling look like? What kind of forms have been taking? I want to go into a little bit of practicals and kind of get y'all's advice from the perspective of someone who's either coming into a ministry or somebody um, that is being approached for discipling. And so kind of starting out, um, Maggie, do you have thoughts? If you are coming into a ministry, maybe you don't have an existing discipling kind of infrastructure, what advice would you give someone who's going about building that up? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I feel like that, you know, was kind of where I was moving from Columbia to Atlanta. Um, I think there was a lot of different dynamics here. One was simply moving from campus to singles and stuff like that. Um, I had to kind of remind myself like that the like singles are, are busier, you know, they have a different lifestyle um, and they're not able to, you know, spend time with me every single day. Right. Um, but I can make the most of the times that people are free or when I'm free. Um, and I think being able to um, kind of like figure out what it was that I needed, um, what it was that I could give to other people. Um, Cause I think that's a big part with, you know, even discipling is being able to even give in different ways. Um, and again, simply spending time with people and kind of being able to see like their different personalities and, you know, what would work well, um, was, was really helpful. Um, and have patience too, like in those relationships, like you can't expect, you know, your relationships, um, from wherever, you know, maybe you moved from to be the same as, you know, whether that was campus or maybe another state to be the same as relationships here because you've only known these people or you've known this pe these people less than, you know, you did be the people before or whatever. Um, so I would say, like, yeah, like those are big things and not being afraid to go after those relationships that you want. There has to be a lot of intentionality on your end. Um, so, yeah, and be open. That's awesome. And then Sam, kind of taking the opposite side of it, if you're someone who has been kind of planted, has roots in a ministry and you have a lot of great relationships, how do you go about maybe getting more discipling out of those? I know I have a lot of great friendships, but not all of them are discipling relationships. And so if I'm wanting to add that extra layer of depth, do you have advice on kind of how to go about doing that? Hey, I like that question, James. I like that you like, you know, all discipling Selecting relationships should have that foundation of a friend, you know, somebody, somebody you want to grow with, somebody you want to um, know. Um, and I think in that aspect, having a mindset of like a Hebrews 3, 12, where, you know, you see to it that no one has an unbelieving heart. So having simple questions like, hey, bro, how are you doing today spiritually or this week? How's it been going? Because I think a lot, a lot of people, or even for me, myself, negative emotions sometimes don't really come to the forefront of it being something that leads you to sin or, or leads you to have um, a, a, an adverse reaction to something. And so being able to inquire uh, and dig, dig uh, deeper into some of the responses that people have um, can be one. Reading books is another thing together, just like, you know, I know Isaac and I are going through a book um, called False Intimacy, where, you know, we get to catch up with each other about our purity and, and what we're learning about it. How do we pursue uh, that and how just purity is, is just so, so multifaceted. And there's so many things in, the, in our world that can try to um, set, up, set up idols in our hearts. Um, I know for me, having 
being an anime fan, I got to be careful how much anime I consume, you know, and, and stuff like that. And so being being able to uh, take time off and reading read books with somebody else really helps. Um, so I think you know those two can be a good place to start. Absolutely, um, I think common interests are definitely a big one. I'm kind of using those as bonding times. Um, Isaac, kind of transitioning over to you. In our time in worship ministry, I think. I know you like anime, but I also know in my impression of you is you're a very compassionate person and you're an excellent listener. And so I think something I really want to get your perspective on is people aren't robots. People come with feelings and baggage and traumas, capital T traumas, little t traumas, um, and all kinds of shapes and sizes. When someone's coming with you asking for help with discipling, when you're trying to kind of work through that relationship. How do you approach it with compassion? As Nikki said, this can come with a lot of shame. How do we avoid that and kind of make sure we're meeting people where they are emotionally and not just pounding people down and just giving them a ton of trusted wounds, you know? You know, um, great question. Capital T trauma. I feel that one. Um, no, I think for me, it just takes a lot of patience, like Maggie was saying. I think just understand that we're all humans. We all have things that's going on in our lives and we all have different battles that we're all trying to fight. Um, but I think also with that, it's like just knowing that, hey, like, I know for me, I struggle with different things. But I also know like that same person that could be asking me for help, I might need their help later on, you know? And it's, it's hard to be like always going, I guess, hard at someone's for like certain sin, or whatever. And then <laughs> expect them to come around and have the same compassion for you, right? I think that's just not fair to say that for someone else and you know do the same for them. I think I'll think about Galatians 6, where it talks about um, kind of taking some of the verse of verse one, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently or carry just burdens and this way you will fit the law of Christ or just even being gentle in love and different things like different verses like that just like that just hits on this idea of like, hey, like we all, we're all, <laughs> we're all looking for love. We're all looking for someone that we can come to in this crazy world that it is, like it's, 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 it's already hard as it is. And even though for me, I hate, I would hate for someone to be like, I can't go to myself cause I don't feel like, I can't go to Isaac cause he's like, he's, he's, he's not showing love. He's not showing Christ's love or anything like that. But I also think there is a sense of like, there is some times where you do need to be hard with someone. But again, it's idea of like being hard with someone in a, with Christ's love center, being the center focus, right? Um, and I think on the opposite end, like if I'm looking for someone to help me, I have to have to have the heart of saying like, I want that help as well and being willing to express the things I'm going through and not be shallow with my, with that relationship or with that person. Because uh, in the, the day, being shallow is not going to get you or get, get us anywhere, at least in my opinion. So, yeah. Those are awesome thoughts. Um, we're doing pretty good here on time. Nikki, as someone, again, who kind of leads a lot of family groups, um, if someone comes to you and is like, hey, I'd like to be mentored, do you have advice on kind of, if someone comes to me and asks me, I'm not sure what to do next. So if someone finds themselves in that situation, do you have advice, um, both in general, wow, Isaac, that's a lot of water, um, in general for kind of being that mentor, but then also with some of the stuff that Isaac was saying, how do you kind of be that mentor and kind of work through and be gentle in doing so? Yeah, um, I think for me, when I, when I, because this happened to me recently, I think Delilah and I, when she was coming into in town, it wasn't necessarily like, hey, be my mentor, but it was like, hey, I want your perspective. What's in town like? Give me the real deal, right? 
Um, and I think when you have someone like that coming to you, you get time with them, you know, like, you know, your own limits. And I knew going into that conversation, I don't really have capacity to like take care of someone else right now because I have a lot going on, but I think you have enough capacity to give a piece of yourself in that moment. Obviously you don't, if you don't have the capacity to give your whole self and be present in the friendship with that person, it's not someone that you should probably be mentoring. Um, but if you have, um, if you have like the ability to, um, say, okay, like I can listen to their story, figure out what they need, and then I can be a connector. So I knew that there were some family groups that were low on people or sorry, my dog's starting to scratch at the door because she wants to come in. <laughs> she could jump, come in and jump on the bed, just prepare yourselves. Um, but being a connector, so getting time and listening to her story, I think also like for me, I was like, okay, I know these things about Delilah now and I am gonna check in, I'm gonna read something. And when I say, I think this would be good for Delilah, I, I take, I send it to Delilah. I also like follow up, I check in and I like continually pray for her, you know, like, and so I think it's things like that, like taking like someone and giving what you can, but also just being a connector to someone that can meet their needs or potentially even saying, Hey, you know what? Like, I think this is a great opportunity for you to grow and kind of step into this new role. Maybe it's not that, um, they need mentoring just by you, but they maybe even need a challenge to lead or step up in a different way because just depending on the needs, sometimes like kind of pushing them to grow in that direction is it can be a little bit different because that's really what their the core of them needs to do is kind of give of themselves a little bit more um but I also think in, in terms of like trauma type things I think that's what you're kind of asking me to is like things that are harder on people um you can't put timeline on someone's pain right like so you have to be really careful to not be like oh are you over this yet like okay like in trying to rush someone working through something you have to really no Bella. Sorry guys. She's like scratching the door hardcore. <laughs> um, she's gonna, Just she's throw just gonna run in. This is real guys. Nice. This is my child. <laughs> she's being bad. She's scratching the door. Anyway, but um yeah, but I think like you have to um just figure out where you can mentor and be helpful and where you can just sit with someone, but also know the barrier of when it's not your job to fix somebody that maybe they need actual counseling or other help. And so being able to recognize those things and for you to get advice, even for yourself, like, hey, I'm helping this person, I wanna help this person, but is this too far? Is this my place? Like, where is it spiritual help? And where is it like something bigger than that that they need to like work through and go to counseling? I'm preaching to myself probably with that, but um, like, I, I definitely think that there's levels to that. Right. So I think there's also like, there's certain things that we can't just can't do. And so, um, but you can always be checking in and praying on praying for people. Um, even if you can't devote a lot of time in your life to them. That's awesome. Um, so that is the last formal question we have for the panel. I have a couple of prayer requests because um, I know some people are needing to go, but we'll be online for a little bit longer. If anybody would like to ask questions, we'll field those through the chat um, and we'll be happy to kind of answer those and have our panelists kind of give their thoughts. So a few announcements, housekeeping and prayer requests. Um, if you are new to in town, please go ahead and check the email that went out from Beto and Megan. 
if you didn't receive the email, uh, reach out to Erica Sutton to be added to the in-town distribution email list. Um, additionally, these live stage midweeks don't happen by themselves. There's a lot of great people that work to make them happen. If you would like to be one of them, uh, please let us know. Put your email contact information in the chat. We'll pull that and we'll get back to you because we would love to have additional contributors um, and additional people to help us pull all of this together each time. There's a virtual Halloween party happening on Saturday at 8 p.m. Additionally, check the email for further details on that and what that entails. And there is a week of prayer from the Corporons, additional details in the newsletter. If you're getting an impression, the newsletter is kind of a central point of communication. You are correct. Um, and again, reach out to Erica Sutton if you are not receiving that. Um, Nikki, was there anything in terms of announcements before we go through a couple of these prayer requests? Um, so a few prayer requests. Addition, there is political unrest and conflict happening in Nigeria, Azerbaijan, and Armenia. So please continue to pray, um, not just for our brothers and sisters over there, but for the world itself and for those affected. Um, Sinithia McClendon, her mom is sick, so please continue praying for healing there and for Vivian's continued recovery. Um, so great things to pray for, great things to keep in mind. Um, additionally, with the elections coming up, um, regardless of what side on that you fall, I think making sure we're praying for the church, this can be kind of a divisive issue for a lot of people. And so there's just gonna be a lot of opportunity for Satan to get a foothold. Um, and additionally, just praying for ourselves to keep our eyes fixed on Christ and not on whatever things happen in the next few months. So I'm going to close this out in a word of prayer, and then we'll stick around for a little bit. If you have questions, go ahead and throw those in chat, and we'll read those through, and I'll moderate those questions to the panelists. But let's go ahead and pray. Um, God in heaven, thank you so much um, for your grace. God, thank you for the ways that you just model discipline, that you don't treat us in the ways that our sins deserve, and you don't punish us for every little mistake. But God, as a father disciplines his son, his um, God, we just, we grow from your discipline. We grow from your word and we grow from seeing how you even disciplined Christ and he was obedient to death, even death on a cross, God. Um, so many great examples of discipling and accountability. And Lord, we just, we find ourselves so grateful to have you, to have your body, to have wonderful friends and relationships and relationships still to be made that we can rely on for discipling and accountability and just to grow closer and closer to you and to see you more and more clearly. God, we love you. Um, we pray for all the hurt in this world, um, both physical, emotional, spiritual. God, we pray for the hurt that we don't even know about for people in this call. People who are going through things, God, I pray that as needs arise, help us to be there for one another. God, I pray that each and every one of us can make a safe place, whether it is for discipling or for people who just need someone to listen. God, I just pray we can, we can be that for each other, whether we are meeting in person, socially distanced with masks on, or whether we're doing it over the phone or through a Zoom call on a Wednesday night. God, we love you. Um, we pray that everything discussed, you will make it more and more clear and more, more apparent in our lives for us to see you. In Christ, we pray. Amen. Just like to state that I let her in.